Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. We'll be in Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. I'm going to read the first eight verses of this chapter for our text this morning, and I want to be very practical and helpful uh, as we look into this passage of Scripture, and uh, trust that the Lord will uh, give us something today that will help us serve Him and serve Him faithfully. And I know that uh, uh, we're probably a little tired this week, today, because of the full week that we've had, Uh, but it's been a great week. It's been a good week for sure. And I trust that you got something from the week. And I know I've, as I've already mentioned, I've heard from so many already uh, who were here, how they were blessed. Uh, but I do want you to give me your attention this morning. Uh, I want you to, I uh, want us all to see what God has for us today. And if we look in Hebrews chapter number 13, beginning with verse number one, let brotherly love continue. Now, this isn't my message this morning, but that's a great, that's a verse that we need to be reminded of. Uh, God's people ought, you know, God's people ought to be nice. Uh, God's people ought to be compassionate. Uh, I'm saved and I'm just glad of it. No, we, that's not the way we should live. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation." Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. I want to use these eight verses, and I want to uh, really get into uh, most of the message will be from verses 5 through 8, but we will refer to the the entirety of the scripture we read this morning. But I want to speak on this subject, some help for your journey, or as Paul mentioned, the life as a race, some help for your race. Uh, I am thankful that God has given us life, aren't you? Uh, He's given us a purpose with our life. Uh, They think that God thinks enough about us that he designed a purpose and then created our life to fulfill that purpose. There's nobody here that when when you you were given life and you entered this world, uh, God was caught by surprise. Uh, You were all planned. We are all planned. God has a plan for us. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that God gives us this book to help us along our journey to help us as we finish our race. If you're saved this morning, and I trust that you are, uh, the Bible reminds us, this very book reminds us that this is not our home, that we are just passing through. Uh, We have a home in eternity. Uh, We have a place that God has prepared for us. If you don't know that this morning, this is as good as life is ever going to get. But you can know for certain that your sins have been forgiven. You can know that heaven is your eternal home. So this morning, uh, let's look at some help uh, for our journey. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning as we look into your word. May the word of God be real to us. May the truths be evident. And Father, may the spirit of God be our instructor today. May he work in each and every heart this morning. And Father, I pray that if there's one here this morning who's unsaved, may uh, the spirit of God put them under conviction. May they uh, know that they... 
uh, are a sinner. May they realize their need of a Savior. May today be their day of salvation. May they put their faith and trust in Christ. And Father, for the child of God today, may we be reminded that we have a Savior who not only has saved us for all of eternity, but He'll never leave us. Uh, he'll guide us. And Father, may we continue to press forward and be faithful, uh, trusting You along the way. And Father, may our life be one of faith. May our life be one that brings honor and glory to Your name. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Hebrews is, of course, a wonderful book of the Bible. Uh, you think of the book of Hebrews and much, there's much teaching about Christ, much teaching about Him as our high priest and His blood and how important His blood being shed on Calvary is to you and I. And this morning, if you're saved, you're saved the same way everybody who's ever been saved, and that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for that. The book of Hebrews talks much about that, and it's where we get a lot of our doctrine of what we believe about salvation and what Christ did for us. As the book of Hebrews begins to come to a close, and this letter that is written by the Apostle Paul, we get to chapter number 11, which is a familiar chapter to most Christians. It's, it's referred to as that great chapter of faith. Uh, listed in chapter 11 is what we would, might would refer to as the hall of faith, those great Christians that live by faith, and they made their mark in such a way by faith that God preserved them in Scripture. He wanted to use them as an example to you and I of what a life of faith will be. We're reminded in that chapter how important it is to live by faith. Let me remind us very quickly this morning, while it's not our message, if you want to get the attention of God, just trust Him. If you want to have the blessings of God, just live by faith. Faith is not having the answers. Faith is trusting God when you don't have the answers, when you don't have the explanation. And certainly Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us of the importance of faith. I cannot refer, read that chapter, refer to that chapter without thinking of those unnamed Christians who were martyred for the faith. And they never saw the promise on this side, but the moment they lost their life for Christ, they entered into His presence having that promise fulfilled. After Hebrews chapter number 11, we go into, of course, chapter number 12, and we find the importance of continuing. We are reminded that there's a great cloud of witnesses that watches us run that race. We're reminded that we're to look to our author and finisher, the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a reminder for all of us in this chapter as we are determined we want to be faithful in our life. We can be faithful because of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can be faithful because of salvation through Him. The importance of pleasing God through our faith. Hebrews chapter number 12, we're reminded of how important it is to continue. Looking to our author and finisher of faith. Friend, keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus this morning. I'm thankful for men and faithful men. And obviously we have the, the admonishment in that chapter 11 to be faithful. But friend, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ and keeping our eyes on Him. We come to chapter number 13 in our text this morning, and as the, the chapter begins to close, as the, this letter begins to close, there's a lot of important admonition. There's some, here's some thoughts to remember. Here's some things that to, to consider that is going to help you do what you've already been admonished to do. God preserved for us this book because he wants us to know that Jesus acted as our high priest, paying our sin debt. 
He wants us to know about Hebrews chapter 11 because he wants to, to, to memorialize, if you will, those great Christians who by faith made a difference in this world. That is an admonishment for us to be faithful and to trust God and live by faith. Same thing in Hebrews chapter number 12. We're reminded of some things so that we will keep the faith or we will continue to live by faith. Now, here's some practical things in chapter number 13 that I believe will help us along our journey, if you will. Help us as we serve God until he calls us home. Let me remind us very quickly that this life we live, this is, it pales in comparison to eternity. 70 years may seem like a, whole, a long time. 80 years may seem like a long time. 100 years may seem like a long time. But it is nothing compared to eternity. And this life is just a small portion. It, it, is, it reflects on eternity. We have so much more to look forward to in eternity. But we are determined to be faithful with the life that God has given us. We see, first of all, and if you'll stay with me just for a couple more moments as we continue and lay a foundation in our introduction, Paul writes in the first few verses. He begins with, let brotherly love continue. Part of running your race is to consider those around you. Part of running your race is we should be an encouragement to others. I want my life to be an example. You should want your life to be an example. We live in a day of so much confusion. We live in a day of so many who twist the words of Scripture to their own game. Let me just say this this morning. We are to be an example. Christians should be different in this world. Why should we be different? Because we are different. We're saved by the grace of God. We have been changed. But I want to be an example. I want to be an encouragement to those that are running their race at the same time I'm running my race. But let brotherly love continue. There's a few things that are pointed out in verses 1 through 5. Uh, he, is, he reminds them in verse number 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. He reminds them of kindness. Christians should be kind. Not just of our friends, but of complete strangers. Now, the Bible reminds us in several passages, we don't have time to turn to them this morning, that of the household of faith, we ought to treat each other right. But it doesn't mean that we treat strangers any less. Uh, we ought to be kind. Well, I just don't have to no, know. He's reminding us to be kind. He's reminding us of kindness. Remember them that are in bonds are, are as bound with them and them which suffer adversity and being yourselves also in the body. He, he reminds them to be selfless. And may we be reminded this morning that we as Christians are supposed to be self, selfless. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. This applies to every one of us, this preacher included. It's not all about you. It's not all about me. And don't make the mistake of approaching the things of God and say, well, this, I just don't think that that's what I... Well, no, what is it that God wants with your life? What is the standard that God has set? But we are to be selfless. The Christian life ought to be about other people. Let me say that again. It ought to be about other people. We should be selfless. It ought to be about the cause of Christ. Well, I, just, I know what Christ requires. I know what he's, he, he, he says that we ought to do. I just don't know that that's... No, we ought to be selfless. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. Whatever he wants, that's what I'm going to yield to. We ought to be selfless. Paul goes on to write. He says in verse number four, uh, marriage is 
honorable in all, in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. He reminds them of purity. We ought to be determined that we are going to be kind as we run our race. We ought to determine that we're going to be selfless. We ought to be determined that we're going to be pure. We live in a day where we, we think that as, as children of God that we ought to be living the way everybody else lives. This isn't an impure world. Let me take that a step further. This is a wicked world. This is a vile world. And the Christians are determined along the way, you will not live a pure life if you do not determine to. You must determine, I'm going to finish my race. I'm going to finish my course living a pure life. It's amazing today, years, you know, generation ago, everybody expected when you go to church to hear some preaching on purity and living a clean life. Uh, and, and it's a shame that it's not preached more. You say, Pastor, how do you know it's not preached world? Have you seen our nation? If it's preached more, I'm afraid there would be a lot of people who would be living it more. He reminds us to be pure. He reminds us, and maybe you have kindness down. You, I mean, you are Mr. Kind. You are Miss Kind. This is who you are. Maybe you could say that I'm doing my best to live a selfless life, a pure life. Notice verse number five. He says, let your conversation, that word conversation is not just your speech, it's your manner of living. This is the way you live. Let your conversation be without covetousness. One of the great downfalls of our nation is covetousness. Not being satisfied with what we have. And that is, I'm glad we live in the land of plenty, but we should not be covetous and be content with such things as ye have. He reminds them to be content. How many of you are saved on your way to heaven? That's the greatest thing you could ever have. Forgiveness of your sins. Anything above salvation is a bonus. We ought to be content with what we have. I'm not saying that uh, you, don't, you don't try and achieve. I'm not saying that you don't try and, and, and reach your full potential. That goes along with it. There, there's scripture that talks about that. But wherever God has placed you, and he's, he, he's allowed you to carry burdens. He's allowed you uh, to, to, to enter into valleys from time to time. He, whatever he allows, be content with the Christian life. There's a lot of individuals that they do not finish their life. They do not finish their race as they should. And it's not because they don't have a desire to. As long the way, they got discontented. So it's important, and I've taken the time this morning to give us a foundation as we come to our text. We, we, we're going to finish our race. We're going to do these things. We're going to run our race in, in light of the fact that we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we should be faithful, uh, that we ought to remember uh, that there are those who've gone on before us who've run their race, and we should run our race uh, to obtain, as, as the Scripture tells us. But along the way, we need to be, remember to, be, to, to live in, with kindness and selflessness and purity and contentment because... Doing so is going to lead to some other things. It's going to remind us of some other things. Notice verse number 5. Let your conversation, your way of living, be content without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now this is going to get us to the first statement This I want to make by way of outline this morning. But if you live this way, it's going to lead you to some conclusions or you ought to do these things because, here's some facts. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, he's not speaking of himself. 
He's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the help that he begins to give for us to finish our race. And friend, this morning, I want you to listen very carefully to me. God wants you to finish your race. God wants you to finish it being faithful. And it's important that you do so. If you can't find motivation for yourself, realize there's somebody else who's watching you. There's somebody else who's following you. Christ is worthy of it. And Paul reminds them that here's some help along the way as you finish your race. First of all, the help is the faithfulness of Christ. Notice what is said in verse number 5. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That as I run my race, as I, as I finish my course, I have a Savior who will never leave me nor forsake me. We throw that word never around in our conversation all the time. I will never do this, or I will never like that, or I will never participate in, in this, only to do those things shortly after. But when God says never, he means never. When God says never, there's no possibility of it ever happening. And God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I got, I got saved when I was a child. And can I tell you, I've been saved ever since because he's never left me. God has allowed me in my path and in my course to go through some valleys of life. And can, you tell, can I tell you this morning and testify this morning that while there's times you weren't aware of a man being present, he has never left me nor forsaken me. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? Did you see him? Oh, I felt his presence. I talked to him, and I'm reminded that no matter where I am, what I'm doing, he has said, I will never leave thee. You realize that man will turn their back on you? But God never will. Man will falter along the way. But God never will. And some help along our path, a help along our journey, a help finishing our life, finishing our course, finishing our race is the faithfulness of Christ. There is no circumstance, no circumstance where he'll leave you. Think about that. You have a God who will never leave you. Sadly, there's times when we leave him, but he never leaves us. He doesn't avoid us because we're an embarrassment to him. Now, we should strive to never bring reproach to the name of Christ. But he will never leave us. You know, sometimes this life that God gives us gets difficult. There's times where we get blindsided, if you will, by circumstances we never saw coming. We planned our life as a young man, as a young lady, whichever applies to you, and we said life is going to go this way, and, and I'm going to be able to have this, and we're going to have this perfect little world, and all these things are going to happen. Little did we know we planned that, what life would really bring, and no matter what those circumstances are, we have a God, we may have been surprised by it, but the omniscient one was not surprised by it. And he was with us through every step of the way. This morning, if you were going through a time of discouragement, if, if you were going through a, 
a time where the burdens are weighing you down and you feel like there's nobody that can help you and nobody that can understand. And maybe you came in today as a member, as a visitor, and you didn't know where to turn. or You just said, I just need to go to church today and we'll see what happens. Let me tell you, he came in with you. He'll go out with you. You have a Savior who will never, ever forsake you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And just as a side note, if I have a God who will never leave me, I should never leave him. I should never forsake him. I read in Hebrews 11, which I've already referenced, those martyrs who all they had to do was recant the name of Jesus and they would not do it and they lost their life. That's not some Hollywood movie. That happened. It's happened through all of eternity. It's happening in this day we live in today. What is it that would cause them to lay down their life before they would turn their back on their Savior? Maybe they find some, we can find motivation out of that. But if, 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 if God wouldn't leave them, they didn't leave God, and neither should we. So some help along our, our, our journey is the faithfulness of Christ, number two. I find in verse number six. So that we may boldly say, because he will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Verse six reminds us, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The second thing, second bit of help I see for our journey is that the Lord, we have the Lord as a helper. That's a pretty good helper. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you get a helper and you're thinking in your mind, it's going to take me twice as long now because I have this helper. Our mom says, you know, to, to the little, little boy, go help your dad do that. And dad's in the other room saying, oh, my goodness. Or it's like you have a time at home and you have a project. And let I me mean, this is just good, good counseling, marital counseling right here to keep peace in your marriage. Let's do this project together. No, 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 no. Don't do that project together. Sometimes we get a helper, and that helper is really a hindrance. When the Lord's your helper, you'll accomplish things that you could not accomplish otherwise. When the Lord is your helper, you realize that the Lord will help you in your life. The Lord will help you in your marriage. The Lord will help you as a parent. The Lord will help you navigate the things of this world. The Lord will help you bear the burden. The Lord will help you with a broken heart. The Lord will help you do what he has asked for you to do. He is your helper. And why, why can we say that? No, we can't just say that. In verse number 6 it says, we may boldly say, why? Because he's already said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So as we're reminded in chapter number 12, to run our race and to be faithful because there's a cloud of witnesses in heaven that are watching us run the race. And there's going to be burdens. There's going to be difficulties. There's going to be disappointments. What are we to do? We're to remember that we have a Savior who will never leave us nor forsake us, so that when God says, here's a life I want you to live, there's some things I want you to, to, to refrain from and abstain from. We have a helper who will help us do that. When the Lord comes to a young man and places a call to preach on his life and says, I, there's no way that I can do that, remember, you have a helper who will help you do that. 
Well, as a, as a parent, say you say, well, I've got it all figured out, and, and I, you know, and, I, and I've got old DVR Oprah so many times telling me how to rear children, and Doctor Phil telling me how to rear children. And let me just say, delete that and get out the Word of God and have that tell you how to rear children. But you read every book and you you know how to do it, but then you actually get that baby, and it's a little more complicated. Whenever a new couple, a couple having a child for the first time come to me and say, do you have any advice? And they say, well, is it, do you know if it's a boy or a girl? And they say, well, it's a girl. I say, Dad, look at me very, very carefully. <laughs> Listen to every word I say. First of all, that little girl is born a woman. What do you mean by that? You just watch how quick those moves change and that manipulation Say, Pastor, you know what you're talking about? Oh, I've got daughters. I know what I'm talking about. Can you sense the bitterness in my, in my spirit this morning? <laughs> and oh, it's like, I'm going to run a tight ship. And then they look at you with those big eyes. And they say, what do you say? Well, they didn't really mean it. See, that's what I say. Oh, and, and your daughter and mom's going to fight. They're going to butt heads. Over and over and over again. The point I'm making is this. You don't, have, you, don't have, you don't have the wisdom. I don't have the wisdom. But you can rear your, chil- your children to be an honor of the Lord when he's your helper. You realize everything God asks of us to do? I don't care how good of a man or a woman, they're not capable of fulfilling it. But when the Lord is your helper... You can do things that you never thought you could do. Pastor, I'm trying to get over these things in my life. I'm trying to overcome these things. I I can't do it. No, you're right. You can't. But with the Lord as your helper, you can do it. With the Lord as your helper, you can be a good steward with your life. We may boldly say, Pastor, how are we going to accomplish all that you feel the church wants us to accomplish? The Lord is my helper. Pastor, the burdens are heavy. How am I going? How am I? How can? How am I just going to be able to continue? How am I going to finish? The Lord is your helper. That helps me. It should help you. It should help all of us. He is our helper. I've got to hasten. I've got. To, I've got to hurry. Number three. I was going to spend a little time here, but I don't, I don't have the time this morning. Look with me in verse number seven. He is already. He has already covered so much in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12. And in this chapter, he's covered things for us to remember. He'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. What a wonderful promise. He's your helper. Now, he'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, and that's the truth. If you're saved this morning, you have the Spirit of God that dwells within you. You may boldly say he is your helper. Now, he gives us some things to help us. He gives us, his word helps us today, doesn't it? He reminds us of that. Then he goes into verse number seven. And notice that first word, remember. Don't forget. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of your conversation. You want some help for your journey? You want some help to finish your race? God gives gives you a pastor to follow. Now, this is teaching and preaching that some will reject, but it's in the Bible. 
And there's a reason why some finish their race with success and some do not. It's because they don't follow what God has given. They don't heed to what God has given. I am thankful today that God will save anybody who wants to be saved. Anybody who'll come through Jesus, God has never rejected any sinner who has, who has put their faith and trust in Christ. And in 2021, he is still saving those who put their faith and trust in Christ. God will save anybody who wants to be saved and, and comes for salvation the way he says he'll accept salvation. But God wants every child of God, it's his will for every child of God to be part of a local church, to serve through the church. The Bible says it's, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the political rally. No, against the church. It, the Bible says that, that the world can be reached with the gospel. How? You know, we, we'll run Facebook ads. Well, whatever. Do whatever you want to do. But it's the church. It takes people serving in the church. Aren't you thankful that God allows us to propagate his cause through the church? But God, with that church, has given a pastor. I believe... And if you don't believe this way, it's okay. You're probably wrong about a couple of things too. But I believe that it's God's will for every Christian to have a pastor. Let me say that again. I believe it's God's will for every Christian to have a pastor. Well, I know there's two extremes to that. I know that there are places where there is no church and there are Christians. Wish they had a man who would stand and preach them the word of God. Well, I believe there's a man now, the will of God, because I believe it's God's will for every Christian to have a church to be a part of, have a pastor. And I believe that there are a lot of Christians who are within the shadow of a church where there's a shepherd who will pastor them and shepherd their family and be faithful to preach the word of God, and they neglect that which God has given. I'll take it even a step further. I believe there are those who sit on, the, sit on church pews and they attend church every week. And they hear a man of God preach to them every week, but they do not allow him to be their shepherd. You cannot neglect what God has said. Notice what he said. He says, I've given you, if you're going to finish this race, I've given you a pastor to follow. Remember them which have the rule over you. Now, some people have a hard time with that word rule. That's speaking of spiritual leadership. He says, remember them who have a rule over you, who have spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow. Now, I remind you that God has given the pastor the authority in the local church, but my authority only extends as long as I preach this book. My authority is not outside of this book. There are things that God has designed. God has designed the home. He's designed uh, for, for it. It's still man and woman married in the home. That's still the Bible plan. And he's designed for the man to be the, the spiritual leader of the home, the woman to be the help me, and then the children are under, under that. We flip that on our heads today where kids are running everything. Just as that is designed, my, 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 my ruling, if you will, does not extend to that degree. That is up to mom and da dad and mom and that house to determine they're going to serve the Lord. But when it comes to the local church, he's designed for the pastor, the under-shepherd to teach and preach the word of God whose faith follow. And as the pastor preaches the word of God and the pastor who holds to the things of God, God intends for its help. Too many look at their pastor as their adversary. I'm not your adversary. I'm your help. 
rule over you, is what the Bible says, who has spoken to you the word of God, whose faith follow concerning the end of their conversation. There's that word conversation again. Look at verse number 17. Same chapter. Obey them which have the rule over you. And submit yourselves. The Bible says the church will obey them. In what way? As this book is preached and taught. Now, you people know that in the past I've been known to patronize Taco Bell. I cannot order you to like Taco Bell. I can't fathom a world where that is not, that is not a possibility, but... We're going to go. This is what I, I'm mandating. Everybody today, when you leave, you must go to Taco Bell. All in favor? Well, there's four of you. All right, we're good to go. <laughs> Amen. But when it comes to the things of God, we're to obey the word of God. We're to follow the teaching of the word of God. But watch this. And submit yourselves. How is it that a pastor... Could, and I'll use the Bible word, rule over you only if you submit yourself. How is it that I obey? Only if you submit yourself. I can stand up here week after week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and teach and preach the word of God. I can pour myself into it. I can study. I can do all of those things, and I can get it. But if you will not submit yourself to the preaching of the word of God, it's not going to do a thing for you. If you will not submit yourself to the leadership that God has provided for you, it's not going to do a thing for you. Let me remind you of my responsibility. In verse 17, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account. God has designed it so that a pastor takes his responsibility seriously. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but based on the scripture I know, I believe there's going to be a time when as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I'm going to give an account for the souls of the membership. I'm going to give an account of visitors who came in lost. and Was I faithful to preach the gospel? Was I faithful to teach and preach this book so that you might live a life that not is pleasing to me, but is pleasing to God? And I am going to give an account. And he says, obey them, follow their faith, because they are going to give an account. They watch for your souls as they must give an account. What does that mean? Well, what about this individual who I placed under your care and your ministry? Look at the way their life ended up then I'm going to have to stand and say, I was faithful to tell them. I was faithful to preach the word, or I'll have to hold my, my head in shame. And I compromise the truths of your book. I did not do what I was admonished to do. Friend, that's what I mean from time to time. I say I'm more afraid of him than I am of you. I, I, I have a responsibility to preach the truth because, and notice this is very important, because that it may do it with joy and not with grief, but at the same time there's going to be, a, I preached the word of God, and look what you did in her life. Look what we did together for your work. And I'm out of time, but let's go back to verse number 7, considering the end of their conversation. God's given you a pastor to follow, to give you the word of God. God, is, God has designed it in such a way where he is 
He has that under-shepherd to shepherd his flock. You know this, I know this, I have no problem saying this, and I hope you have no problem, I know you don't have any problem hearing it. This church is not my church, this is God's church. He has given me the responsibility to shepherd. It's a great responsibility, but he's given you a pastor to to help you along your journey. To preach to you the word of God, to pray for you, to encourage you, to to give a life of example. Notice the last part of verse number 7, considering the end of their conversation. If you study this book, as I would encourage you to do, and I've had the privilege to study this book as a preacher for more than 25 years, you know how it's going to end up. So what's going to happen in our nation? I know how it's going to end up. If God's people don't get right, it's it's already there. I don't understand what that man, he preaches and he thinks he knows. No, I don't know it all. I know what God has said is how it's going to end up. I've been at this thing long enough now to have some experience to see that that counsel that I gave as the pastor that I based on this book and prayed over, I've seen the conversation, the manner of life, the end of, end of it. I've seen the results of those who listened to the counsel of their pastor and those who did not. And this has absolutely nothing to do with me but 100% on the principles of God's Word. When you listen to your pastor who's following this book, 100% of the time, it ends up good. But I can take you to the other end of that spectrum, and it never ends up the way you think it's going to end up. It's a wonderful thing to have somebody in your life to help guide you along the way. And I, and, I, and I hope you do, and I'm sure you do. You understand the heart at which I give this today. I must take my responsibility seriously, and you must take the fact that you have a pastor seriously, and it's help along the way. Your pastor is here to help you. Your pastor is here to, to help, help, help you rear your children. It's not my responsibility to rear your children, but as I preach this book, it's going to help you rear your children. It's not my responsibility to to referee all of your disagreements as husband and wife, but as I preach the word of God, that will help your disagreements as husband and wife. It's a a pastor to follow will give you, will help you finish your journey the way you should. It It will help you to, and you know this preacher, I'm not forcing my, I will give it if you want it, take it, but that's on you. We'll say amen in just a few moments. Some of you are looking for that, but we'll say amen in just a few moments. My responsibility is done. When God holds me in account for October 31, the Sunday morning message in 2021, after just a few moments, I'll be able to say, Lord, I delivered the message that you put on my heart. I gave it. The responsibility then goes to you. Did you heed it? Did you follow it? Fourthly, I'll mention this last one. We're out of time. I'll mention it, but we see in verse number 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. 
but we can have some help along the way, a Savior who never changes. A Savior who never changes. How many of you, if you'd be willing to raise your hand, you've been saved for 50 years? Just your hand this morning. Thank you. Put your hands down. Anybody in here been saved less than a year? Been less than a year? Two years? Christian back there? Do you realize the same way he got saved? It's the same way those that got saved more than 50 years ago? Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's some babies in that nursery in there. Those of you sitting out there have been hearing them during the service. When they get to the point to put their faith and trust in Christ, do you realize they're going to get saved? If they get saved, it'll be the same way any man's ever been saved. It's because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That ought to bring security to us. The same Jesus who Paul wrote about, the same Jesus who met him on the road of Damascus, the same Jesus who came to this earth to die for our sins, the same Jesus that resurrected from the grave. Acts chapter 1 is very specific in his wording. As Jesus ascended into heaven, that angel said, this same Jesus will return one day. Jesus who was the confidence and the faith of those martyrs we reference in Hebrews chapter 11 is the same Jesus you and I serve today. He has not changed. And can I just say in conclusion this morning, if he has not changed, his words have not changed. If he has not changed, truth has not changed. Because he is the word. And the word was made flesh And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why when you and I open this book and we read the truths of this scripture, it's the same. When I think of those that have gone on before me, I think of the heritage I have and and the truths that those in previous generations held to. They're the same truths I have today because Jesus has not changed. Oh, it gives great confidence to me that those that come behind me, my children can have the same thing I have because he has not changed. My grandchildren, I don't even have yet. One day they can look to the same Christ, the same truth, because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a little help along the journey. But he's not changed. My close and my conclusion is this. Let's all determine that we're going to finish the race that God has given us. If you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, that's the first thing you need to do. In just a moment, we're going to go to what we call an invitation. Instruments are going to play. Christians are going to come and and pray as God has spoken to them. But it's an opportunity for you to let somebody open the Word of God and show you how you can be saved. Doesn't matter what denomination tag you want to put on it. Doesn't matter how many good works you've done. There's only one way to get to heaven. That's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've got great news for you. Almost said, good, it's great news. You can have forgiveness of your sins. You don't ever have to lay your head on your pillow at night and wonder if your eternity is secure. Child of God, if you've been saved this morning, why don't we determine that we're going to finish the race that God has given us. I wish that I could say this morning to you that you'll never have another burden. But that's just not true. 
I wish I could say to you, you'll never shed another tear. I wish I could say to you, you'll never have your heart broken. I wish I could say you'll never be disappointed. I can say none of those things to you because we know that they would not be true. What I can say to you is he'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. What I can say to you this morning is you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What I can say to you is the best of my ability with God is my helper. As your pastor, I will faithfully preach you the word of God so that you may finish your race, bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same. This world has changed. Our nation has changed. But aren't you glad Christ has never changed? Truth has never changed. Let's determine to finish. Maybe somewhere along life's journey today, the burden's gotten heavy. Maybe you've lost focus off of what is important. Maybe the message this morning to be a reminder that we might have some help along the way. Everybody needs help along the way. And He can help us like nobody else can help us. Let's let the Lord help us today. Father, I pray that you would use the message. Father, may we be reminded that you're a God who's designed our life. You're a God who's designed our race, our journey. May we be faithful to finish. Father, may we be reminded that that is the goal, is to finish it faithfully. It's not a race from the sense that whoever finishes first, whoever runs it best, we, we, we are just admonished to finish. And Father, along the way, the journey gets hard. Along the way, the burden gets heavy. Along the way, we stumble and fall. But Father, may we be reminded today from the book of Hebrews that there's some help along the way. Maybe things, circumstances have taken place in our life where we find it hard to trust anybody else. May we be reminded that you'll never leave us or forsake us. You're our helper. Father, may we determine today that we are going to be obedient to the Spirit of God as He has directed us today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask a few questions this morning before we go to the invitation. First of all, I've already asked it once this morning. But I wonder who might, by the raising of the hand, give testimony this morning that they're 100% sure they're on their way to heaven. If they were to take their last breath today, they know for sure they're saved. If you just slip your hand up for me, say, Pastor, I know for sure I'm saved. I know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Thank you. Put your hands down. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. I would never want to embarrass anyone. But I want to ask this question. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand just a moment ago, but, but you'd be willing to do it now so that I can pray for you. I wonder if there might be one and no one is looking. Who would say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? I'm not 100% sure I'm saved. Or you've spoken in a, of salvation a couple of times this morning, and I don't know that I've ever got that settled have doubts about my salvation. With our heads bowed, if you would be honest with yourself, honest with God, and you'd be willing to be honest with me this morning, you'd say, Pastor, I'm not for certain that my eternity is settled. If you just slip your hand up so I can see it, thank you. Anyone else, would you just say, Pastor, I'm not for certain I'm saved, not for certain I'm on my way to heaven. Anyone else at all? In just a, minute, in a moment, we're going to stand to our feet, and if you're not for certain you're saved, I want you to step out in the aisle and Come down to the altar and let somebody show you from the Bible how you can be saved. Well, this morning, if you've
trusted Christ as your Savior, you never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, let me encourage you to take that first step of obedience, be identified with Christ. Aren't you thankful He was willing to be identified with you on the cross and pay your sin debt? That's, that's the first step of obedience, to be identified with Him. Christian, this morning, maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you're weary. Why don't you claim the help along the way that we have? Why don't we make a vow today that we're going to finish our race with God as our helper?